know, we, we inherit a lot of things from parents and grandparents. Maybe it's blue eyes. Maybe it's gorgeous hair. Maybe it's, I don't know, good teeth. Uh, and there are some beautiful things that we get from our family. And it's not always just in the, the, the physical DNA. I think I've seen lots of people who are kind of brought up with very creative parents or musically talented parents. Lots of times that man or that, that boy or that girl, they'll too be creative or artistic or um, they'll be really good singers or they can play a piano. They, they kind of get that as well. Uh, or maybe generosity. I've seen kids who have very generous parents. Man, they, they become very generous as well. Or loving or, or whatever. We, we kind of get those things. Or maybe the mom and dad were service-minded and the kids picked up on it. Or they had discernment and insight and the kids pick up on that. Uh, sadly, we also kind of pick up some negative things. We kind of pick up some things that don't smell as good. Uh, you know, if you were raised by an alcoholic father or mother or maybe both, you probably got some baggage. You probably got some stuff in, in your life that it, it's, it's been a hang-up for you. Maybe your mom and dad weren't good at reacting with things. Maybe they always flew into rage. Maybe they always flew into anger. Or maybe they retracted. Maybe they, they got despondent and discouraged, and they just kind of went into their shell like a crab. Uh, and we inherit those things, good, bad, or whatever. And lots of times, those bad things, people will say, oh, you're just like your mother. Or, oh, you're just like your father. Or maybe, you know, your, your mom or your dad were... Uh, pathological liars. You couldn't believe anything that come out of their mouth. And so maybe somebody's told you where well, you're a born liar or you're a born loser or you can't escape your past. Um, I think that any pattern, whether it's negative or positive, any pattern that one generation has held on to that the next generation embraces, it's a generational influence. Uh, not all of them are negative. Not all of them are positive. Uh, alcoholism can be one. Racism can be one. Maybe you had an absent father, and maybe you've become that too. Or maybe you had some folks that, that swore profusely, and maybe you've got a maybe you've got problem with the way you talk because it's always laced with some fairly colorful language. Maybe you come from a line of divorce. Man, your your great grandparents were divorced. Your grandparents were divorced. Your mom and dad got divorced. I guess I'll get divorced too. I'll get my first starter marriage out of the way. And, Go forward. But we think we're somehow pigeonholed into that. We've, we've seen those behaviors modeled and we've carried them into our life. And that modeled behavior almost becomes like a scar on our soul that we don't think can ever go away. That's, and I'll tell you how that sounds. Well, that's just who I am or that's how I was raised or that's the type of person that I am. So well, those are really um, defeatist statements. You're saying, well, this is who I am. I know it ain't good. I know it's not proper. And I know it's not of God. But that's just how it is. You're giving up. You're really basically saying, uh, yeah, God saved me, but he's not big enough to change me. You're saying, yeah, God's good and all that, but he's not big enough to help me get past my past. Well, I think he is. I think he's big enough to get over those things. So uh, Jesus Jesus allows you and I to overcome negative generational influences. He has provided a way for us to make a U-turn. He's provided for us a way to kind of back out and go in another direction. The book of Ezekiel, chapter 18, verse 1 through 4. And church, I, I'll say this, man. If, if you're sitting here today and you're struggling, thinking, man, I didn't raise my kids right. 
I wish I would have taken them to church more. I wish I would have introduced them to a relationship with Jesus more. Or I wish I would have behaved differently when I was raising my kids. Um, Y'all, there's going to be some freedom in here for you. And maybe you're that kid that was raised in that home. uh, And you're carrying around those emotional scars on your soul. I got good news for you too. There's hope in this message for you. The book of Ezekiel 18 says this. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Ezekiel is the prophet. He gets a message from from God. The Lord says, why do you quote this proverb concerning the land of Israel? Y'all say proverb. Here's an example. Like father, okay, like mother, that's the proverb, okay? The proverb that the Israelites were using sounded like this. Why do you quote this proverb concerning the land? The parents have eaten the sour grapes, but their children are the ones who pucker up because the grapes were sour. Mom and dad did one thing, and the kids are the ones who pay for it. Uh, It was a proverb of their day, and what this proverb was saying is that lots of times the kids will suffer because of what mom did, or the kids will suffer because of what dad did. Verse 3, this is good news, because if we didn't get to verse 3, we're bummed. Verse 3, basically God says, yeah, that proverb, it's deleted, it's outdated, it's antiquated, you don't have to say it no more. doesn't even belong up in your mouth. Okay, so what are you going to replace that with, God? In verse 3, it says, And surely I live, said the Sovereign Lord, you will not quote that proverb anymore in Israel. I love you, and this is what I'm about to say. I want you to know I'm not casting stones. I'm in the same boat you are. We can't blame our parents for everything that's went wrong in our life. We can't blame our past. We can't blame the trauma. We We can't claim that... You know, because we've had a crappy upbringing, then we're destined to to live that as well. Uh, Y'all, what God is saying is that that doesn't have to work that way. Let's go on a little bit further. Verse 4. For all people are mine to do what? I judge mom and dad and I judge the kids. They all belong to me. They're under my authority. Both the parents and the children alike. Ezekiel 18, same chapter, just going to go down to verse 5. Suppose a certain man is righteous. And does what is right and just. Now, I typically read the whole text. But basically, what those three dots, uh, you can go back and read it. But, but it, the text is describing what a righteous man looks like. Doesn't sleep with somebody else's wife. Doesn't kill somebody. Doesn't cheat people. Doesn't charge too high of an interest rate when, when he loans money. This was a good dude. He was at, uh, he was at Tabernacle. Uh, he was at Temple. He followed the laws. But this guy has a kid that is not like him. Uh, uh, I think I said too much. Suppose a certain man is righteous and does what's just and right and and faithfully obeys my decrees and regulations. Anyone who does these things, they're just. They're going to live a good life, uh, says the sovereign Lord. But suppose this good man, suppose this man has a child and the child doesn't do what the father did. In fact, all the things that the father refused to do, this boy does. Well, preacher, I've never seen that happen. Yeah, you have. And that son does all the evil things his father would never do. He's, uh, he's such a sinful, how can such a sinful person live? No, he must die and he must take what? The boy is responsible for his own behaviors. The boy is responsible for his own actions. The boy is responsible for what he does. And by the way, I'm saying boy, this is what the text says. If you're a lady, you are in charge of your own actions. Daughter, you are in charge of your own action. You see, each of us are accountable for our own lives. 
We can stop claiming victim. We can stop saying you know, our, 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 our raisin wasn't that good. Hey, you know what I found out? Lots of us, most of us, we've got some trash in our past. But I, I know I put trash in my kids' life. I ain't been a perfect parent. You know, maybe if it was all said and done, maybe we could all say that we've had a tough, we, you know, we, we did a tough, maybe we, had, we all had tough childhoods. But you know what, Mom and Dad were, for the most part of us, they did the best they could. Some of us, you came from different backgrounds, and they could have done a lot better. And for that, I'm sorry. We can choose to leave some of those things behind, but we have a choice. We have to accept the blame or accept the responsibility. You have a spiritual DNA, but church, you also have free will. You might have had some really bad parents or maybe a bad uncle or a bad grandparent. Man, I don't know, but this is what I know. You have free will. You have a choice to see what happens next. And since you have a choice, you can no longer use an excuse. Picked up, uh, Pammy and I picked up Ridge from the airport the other day. I typed, after we picked him up, we typed in Fuddruckers, uh, which is sort of like Disneyland for fat guys. It's awesome. Uh, they don't even tell you how much cheese you can use. You can just sit there all day long and pound that thing, put it all over your fries. So good. <laughs> We pulled up to that mug. There's a store. There, there's a store, Fuddruckers. We've ate there dozens of times, and then there was a sign. Sorry to all of our loyal customers. This side is now closed. If we wanted a Fuddruckers, we've got all the way to Branson. And so we're, we're hangry at this point. And we're hangry. And what are we going to eat? You know? uh, right next to it, there's a, there's a place called Bowls and Wraps. And Ridge says, oh, what we eat over there? I'm not going to tell Ridge no, okay? Dude just came off a plane. And I didn't give Pam time to say anything because I knew she didn't want to eat there, okay? Uh, so, absolutely. You know, here, here we go. I look at this thing, and there's like 15 different things on there that I would never eat, okay? Things like uh, bean, bean, bean sprouts, uh, uh, broccoli, broccoli, broccoli. Uh, I go in there, and I don't know what to order, okay? have no idea. So I talked to the little man behind the counter, and he, he was clean. His tattoos were well blended in. They were all spelt correctly. And I said, Bubba, what's your most popular thing on this menu? He said, the teriyaki chicken. I said, well, this is my first time. I'm going to take your advice. Teriyaki chicken. That's my choice. And he says, what do you want for your protein? Huh? <laughs> what you got? He says, well, we've got fried chicken, we've got falafel, we have grilled chicken. I said, well, you know, I like to have some fried chicken. He said, no, you want the grilled chicken. <laughs> I want the grilled chicken. I, I want this thing because it's my choice. If this thing is messed up, it's on me. And I know I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm asking Tattoo here, what do I need to order? I got that thing. I'm going to be honest with you. I tore the mess up out of that. All right? A little brown rice. I ate all the orange stuff. I ate all the red stuff. I ate all the purple stuff. I left three uh, bonets of broccoli on the bottom of my plate. But I ate it all except those three broccoli. I ate one. But this is what happened. If I would have went in there and just said, uh, give me a whatever, I, I would have had... I don't have an excuse because I made the choice. Listen to me, church. You have a choice to stay in your past, to stay with those negative generational influences, 
If you make that choice, then don't use that as an excuse because you also have a choice to leave that stuff behind. So as long as you have, an, as long as you have a choice, you have no excuse. We can choose to leave some of those... We can choose to leave some of that stuff in our boat. Nobody's forcing us to eat the broccoli. Nobody's forcing us to eat the carrots. Nobody's forcing us to do that. We have a choice. Hey, you know what? Some of the stuff in your bowl is rotten. It hurts. Makes you sick to your stomach. You have a choice. You don't have to eat it. You, you don't have to pucker up to it all the time. Our generational consequences we've inherited, they have a power in our life. But listen, they do not have a power by force. They don't force us to feel that way. They don't force us to assume that negative consequence. They don't force us. The only thing those things can do is influence us. They can't force us. They can't put a gun to our head. They can't uh, browbeat us into doing it. It is just something we choose to listen to or not. We choose what influence, and we've been over this for like the last six weeks, maybe seven weeks. We get to choose what influences our thoughts. We choose. We choose what influences our, our thinking and our mindset and our beliefs. We choose what influences our thoughts. We're going to go back to Ezekiel 18, verse 19 through 20. What, you ask, doesn't the child... This is, listen, 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 listen. Doesn't the child pay for the parent's sin? We've grown up thinking, yes, they do. What do you see in that text? You're welcome. Some of you could get freedom from that verse. Now this, this verse does not excuse credit parenting. But everybody is responsible and accountable for what they do. No, for if the child does what's just and right and keeps it my decrees, that child will surely live. The person who sins is the one who will die. It has nothing to do with you being a parent or being a kid. It has everything to do with the obedience and surrender. The child will not be punished for the parent's sin, praise God, and the parent will not be judged for the... Now that seems a lot, a lot better. That's a freedom verse in there. Righteous people will be rewarded for their own righteous behavior and wicked people will be punished for their own wickedness. Church, this is what that means. You can't say, well, I didn't get enough hugs when I was a kid or I got lost in a mall when I was a kid or he hurt me when I was a kid or I've been hurt as a child. That's the way I was raised. Church, if we choose to approve these patterns, if we choose to allow these patterns to continue, understand something. That's not your past speaking into your presence, present. That's your choice to give it influence. That's us. That doesn't demean or, or take away anything that's happened. It's just we choose what influences our thoughts. And some, uh, you've heard that old argument, is it nurture versus nature? Nature would be your DNA, what you've inherited, what you're born with. And for some of us, we're born with some of that corruption going on. Uh, the, the nurture part is the way we were raised, the environment, the family system, what kind of mom, what kind of dad we had, what kind of brother we had, what kind of sister we had. What we're saying here is that the argument of nurture versus nature, I guess it's a fine argument, but what that argument lacks is the one thing you and I know. It doesn't leave room for the Jesus that we know. Jesus is stronger than your DNA. Jesus is stronger than what kind of house you grew up in. He's bigger than all that. 
And so to say that we're just limited and, and, pigeon, and, and pigeonholed into being this way, we're not taking into account that we serve a life-changing God. Today, we live in a time where, oh, if you'll show it to me, I'll believe it. Seeing is believing. But church, as Christians, it's not about seeing is believing. For you and I, we believe it oftentimes before we will ever see it. We believe it before we see it. If He says I'm free, if He says I'm whole, if He says I'm loved, if He says I'm a redeemed, if He says I'm a child of God and I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, I may not see it yet, but I believe it. Church, I hope you start to make your U-turn today for some of those family history episodes. And I want you to know you've got two things to do. I'm about to make a hard shift up in the second year. It's not pretty. But it is what it is. You're going to have a choice to make and then a step to take. You're going to have a choice to make and a step to take. Now, let's talk about the choice. For some of us, we know that we come from, from, from some tough backgrounds. Uh, just so you know, I'm not throwing any... Y'all, I was adopted. Uh, my mom and my biological mom and dad, they weren't married. They had me out of wedlock. If I would have been born three years later, I probably would have been aborted. I understand all that. Uh, thank God I got raised by Dean and Debbie, my mom and dad, raised in a good Christian home. Uh, so I, I guess I want you to know that we all have some crappy stories. But man, God can write some beautiful novels out of those crappy stories. So we have a choice to make. And what happens oftentimes is we look at our past and we think, well, I don't have any choice. This is who I am. You know, I'm, I'm bad to my wife because my mom uh, was treated badly by my, my dad. Or, you know, the reason why I'm always in the bottle is because my parents were always in the bottle or uh, you name it. And so what we try to do is we think, we think, well, if I can just do the right things, everything will be good. If I can just do the right things, say the right things, focus on truth and mercy, Walk on eggshells when I'm around the people who hurt me. And we think that somehow everything's going to be good, but yet we, we get a, a few days of relief, but then we go right back to it. I'm going to tell you why. You will never get over your past by doing the right things. Doing is the law. And the law never saved anybody. The best the law does is hold up a mirror and tell you what's wrong with you. You're too fat, you're too thin, you're too, uh, too, too skinny, too tall. You got a zit on your cheek. The mirror tells us we have parsley on our teeth. Or broccoli. <laughs> but that's all it does. It tells us what's wrong with us. It doesn't say, well, take it off. It doesn't say, get a haircut. It, didn't say, it doesn't tell us how to make... Listen, the law doesn't tell us how to be right. It just tells us how we're wrong. And so we're trying to do all the right things in these relationships that have torn our hearts apart, that have put soul uh, calluses on our soul. There's a reason why we're not getting any better. There's nothing we can do that'll change it. Okay, preach. You got my interest. You see, the law of God shows what we need to be fixed, but the law of God does not fix our sin. If God's a law, it's God's law that allows us to see what's wrong in our life, to see what's out of alignment in our life. What's out of place? Romans 3.20. For no one has ever, no one's ever been made right by what? Nobody has ever been made right with God by doing what? Dang it, preach. You are right. 
Yeah, the law doesn't make you right with God. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. His words, not mine. It's literally standing in front of the mirror. And we can look in the mirror. Yeah, I had a bad mom. I had a bad dad. We didn't have any money. We were homeless. I didn't know if I was going to be able to go to school. I didn't know if I was going to have supper. I thought everybody's dad beat their mom. And so we have all of this stuff. You know, we've got all of this stuff. And we try to do better, but things don't ever change. The reason, this is the reason why rededications don't work. This is the reason most times. This is the reason why... uh, when, when people say, well, I'm, I'm turning, I'm, I'm, I'm coming back to God. Uh, but, but that commitment might last for a few weeks and they go right back. It's not long term. And this is the reason why. We believe if we obey and do the right things that somehow everything is going to be changed. But let me tell you something, church. It's not the law that redeems you. It's not the law that makes you new. It's not the law that gives you a fresh start. That's Jesus. That's Jesus that gives you a fresh start. That is Jesus who makes things new. Paul basically said that the best the law could do was to condemn us. Galatians 3, 10-14. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under His what? You're under the curse. For the Scripture says, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it's clear that no one can be made right with God by simply doing the right thing. No wonder we're still miserable and we're still hurt and we're still defeated. We've been trying to do the right things. Man, I don't think it's about doing squat. I don't think it's really about doing that. This way, of, um, uh, for Scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is different than the way of This way of faith is different than the way of law. Preacher, tell me there's two ways to deal with this? Absolutely. You can do it by trying to do everything you can in your own power, and your own strength, i.e. follow the law. But then there comes a point where we've got to say, you know what, God, I can't do this by myself. I'm going to have to trust you. I'm just going to have to trust you with this. That's the way of faith. It's through obeying. The, uh, uh, it says it is through obeying. Uh, the law, church, came with the curse. The law came with the curse because it showed us all the parsley in our teeth. It showed us our messed up hair and it showed us the zit on our cheek. The law came with the curse. We can see everything we've done wrong. But it was the cross that came with the cure. It was the cross that came with the cure for you and me over all of our mess in our past. Galatians 3, 13-14. But Christ has rescued us from what? The curse. Pronounced by the law, when he was hung on the cross, he took it, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoings, and I also believe the wrongdoings that were done to us. Because it all goes back to sin. That's the root cause. For it was written in the scripture, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Father Abraham, so that we who are believers, we might receive the promise. Holy Spirit through faith. Church, it was on the cross that Jesus broke the curse. It was on the cross that Jesus broke the devil's back. Colossians Colossians 2.15 says, In this way Jesus disarmed the spiritual rulers and what? Authorities. He shamed them publicly by the victory over them on the cross. Message translation kind of gives a little bit different take on it, which I like. He stripped them of all the spirit. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants of the universe of their sham what? Of their sham, yeah, their sham authority. On the cross, Jesus defeated the curse. On the cross, Jesus broke the back of the devil. But can I tell you something? The devil still has power. 
I'm going to get this thing real for you. And some of you can get some freedom if you listen to me. The devil didn't lose his power at the cross because he still influences us. Church, I want you to know something. What the devil lost at Calvary was his authority. What Jesus stripped off the devil that day in Jerusalem was that the devil has no authority in your life or my life. He will lie to us and say he does. But the truth is, the truth says, Jesus took his authority away from us. Not my words, his. The devil can't make you do anything because he doesn't have the authority. He can't stick a gun to your head. He can't browbeat you. He can't make you do what you don't want to do. He can't force your hand. Now church, you may have inherited some negative traits, some dispositions, but through the curse releasing and devil backbone breaking power of the Spirit of Jesus in you, you have the right to a turnaround. You have the right to go in another direction. You have a right to get back on track. And the devil will tell you all the time, that ain't true. You don't have the ability to break free. Your dad was a drunk. Your mom was a whore. Your brother's a no good so and so. The devil wants to bring all this up and point it and stick it in your face. He wants you to believe that you and I are stuck in this life. We're stuck with those negative Generational consequences. We're stuck with them. But let me tell you what. That sucker doesn't have the authority to say that over your life. We believe the lie. We believe what's coming off his lips. But Colossians just told me that my Jesus on the cross with both hands nailed behind his back, if you will, took the authority away from the devil. Y'all, he might have influence, but he ain't got no authority. Satan doesn't want you to know that. Because you see, you get to choose your thoughts. You get to choose what you think about. You get to choose what affects your beliefs. You get to choose what affects your, your, your cognitions, what you think, your worldview. You choose that. Church, why is it so hard to shake these things? Why is it so hard to shake negative generational influences? And some of you, you know, I'm a 50-year-old man. I, you know, I still got pain of things that were done to me when I was 8, 12. Why is it so hard to shake that? Church, the curse was broken on the cross, but Satan's power hasn't been removed yet. Satan's demons have the power to deceive us into thinking they have authority over our lives, but their authority has been stripped. There is a reason why I didn't use the word generational curse very much today. I'm going to tell you what. My Bible says that this is what Jesus did with the curse. By the way, a curse is something that's forced on you. You don't have any say on it. The Bible says that Jesus took the curse to the cross. And in order for me to say that I am under a family curse, I'm looking at the cross and saying, well, not this curse. Hey, man, whatever curse has been in your life or whatever negative consequence or familial consequence has come into your family system, if you call it a curse, then you need to understand something. That curse was driven in the hand of Jesus by a nail. Your curse sitting on you no more. Jesus took it to Calvary with him. And when we say we've got a curse, that is a defeatist statement. We're not taking into account the freedom that Jesus can give us. What's that look like, preach? 
Those consequences can be stopped. They can be reversed, but it's your choice. God's word, which is the truth, tells us that the death and resurrection of Christ broke the curse of the law in order God might give us his spirit. It's the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. When we get saved, the Holy Spirit lives in us. The role of the Holy Spirit is to let us live under the rule of love, transform our minds and our hearts. And here's what I found out. The more latitude I give the Holy Spirit to work in my mind and in my thought and in my heart, the more latitude I give the Holy Spirit to, to work in my life, the less I hear the enemy, the less I hear the lies, the less I hear the defeatist statements that I'm under a curse and I'm not going to be any better than what my past says I should be. The devil says, oh no, you can't ever be anything. Remember what happened to you when you were eight? Remember what happened to you when you were 12? And all the time, the enemy's telling us this, and God is saying, he is a liar. Let me work in your life, your thoughts, and your mind, and I will show you what the rule of love looks like. And church, the more we look like Jesus, the more we reflect his character. We're going to open up, we're going to have some more freedom. All right, let me go on a little bit. Uh, Galatians 5, verse 22 through 26. What's it look like, man, when, when, when we let the Holy Spirit move? What's it like when we let ourselves connected to the Holy Spirit? But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of what in our lives? What's that word? Okay, this is going to get good if you stay with me. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. What's fruit look like, preach? Look like love, fruit of joy, fruit of peace, fruit of patience, fruit of kindness, fruit of goodness, fruit of faithfulness, fruit of gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to the cross, crucified them there, since we are living by the what? Not by the lie of the enemy, but you and I are living by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited to provoke one another, to be jealous of one another. Church, when we are walking with the Holy Ghost, there is a fruit that is produced in us. And we're thinking, well, how do I get that fruit? Number one, stop working so hard. Have you ever seen an apple try to will itself into being an apple? I've never went to to Rosier's to the front there where they have the, the apples in a bag. I've never seen an apple there going... I, I understand what that looked like now when I, when I did that. I'll try not to do that again. A little constipated. But what I want you to know is that apple doesn't stay there. It's like, oh, please, don't, I don't want to turn it into an orange. I don't want to turn it into an orange. And the orange isn't in his little bag saying, oh, I don't want to become an asparagus. Oh, I don't want to become an asparagus. An apple's an apple, and an orange is an orange. I'm going to tell you why. Because they came from orange trees. They came from an apple tree. They came from an asparagus. I don't even know where asparagus comes from. Uh, But they're that way because they're connected to the plant, okay? The the source. You want to know how you get the fruit of the Spirit? It's not... You don't got to squeeze it out. If you're connected to the Holy Spirit, guess what shows up in your life? Fruit of the Spirit. Oh, I'm trying to love. I'm trying to be kind. I'm trying to do all these things. Great! How close are you to the Holy Spirit? Because he already said he'll bring the fruit. Just stay with him. We have the fruit of the Holy Ghost when we are connected to him. It becomes the, these things become the fruit of us remaining to the source of our life. And in this case, it's the Holy Spirit. We break free from the consequences of the flesh when we stay close to the Spirit as our source. And this is, this is the antithesis of this. 
When we stay close to the Holy Spirit, our mind changes. But when we hang out with those people who were the influences in our life, who remind us of how horrible we are and what we did, you might want to ask yourself, maybe I should be spending some more time with the Holy Spirit as compared to spending time with that. Because we choose what influences our thoughts. Oh, Brother Mike, are you telling me not to love them? No, I'm not telling you to love them. I'm just saying you don't have to spend all your time with them if it makes you feel horrible. This isn't rocket surgery. And it's not brain science. It's letting the Holy Spirit lead and guide your life into victory. So you have a choice to make. Secondly, you have a step to take. The choice isn't enough. There is a step that you have to take after this. Paul tells us, of what breaking free from negative generational influences must look like just a few verses before Galatians 5 and verse 16 and 18. This is what he says. So I say, man, just let the Holy Spirit be your guide. What do guides do? What do guides do? Yeah, I think of like a Sherpa or something. You know, the guide will lead you on a trail to get you to the right destination. So Paul is saying, Bubba, let the Holy Spirit guide you walk with you in your life. Let him determine what path you take, what road you go down. Let him determine that in your life. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And I'm assuming that means thought life too. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what our sinful nature desires. Those two forces... Our flesh and the Spirit are constantly fighting within us. I don't know about you, but daggum, there's no, probably not a more truthful verse in the whole Scripture than that for me. I always, there's always a struggle going on inside me. But when you are directed, when you are guided, when you are led by the what? You are going in another direction. It is not the law. You're going to freedom. Church, the Holy Spirit is guiding us, directing Maybe we, you know, Maybe we were shown how to do drugs by a parent. Maybe we were shown that, man. I don't know. Put that to the side a second. But we come to God and we know we're messed up. We know that we've damaged. We know that we've got negative generational consequences and influence and all that stuff. And then we come to an altar and we, we say, God, sock it to me. Give me my freedom. Let me break free. Uh, let me break free of this curse. Let me break free. And then we just we come to the altar and we'll pray and we'll weep and we want freedom and we want deliverance and we want that Damascus Road moment. We want all that and we'll just stay here until we, we want God to break us free. I think some of us stay in bondage because we're looking for that in the spot. And let me tell you, God can do that. He can. It's not beyond him. But I think some of us need to get up and just start walking in our freedom. One step at a time. Get up and say, okay, God, instead of just asking you for my freedom, I know you've already given me my freedom. You've given me my deliverance. You've taken the curse off me and you hung it to the cross. I'm going to put one foot after another foot, and I'm going to move forward. Listen to me, because here's the plane landing. The, the, the tires are down. Because the Holy Spirit is your Sherpa. He's your guide. And He's guiding you forward. That means you've got to stop blaming your past. And I'm sure it was hellish. I'm not trying to take anything away from that at all. I'm trying to help you get free.
We do that by letting the Holy Spirit be our guide. And that never involves just standing still. It's moving forward. And if we're not walking forward, there's probably a good reason why we're not walking forward in freedom. We ask God to break free of our family history and things like that. And we just want Him to snap His fingers. But to be guided means you put one foot over the other. And walking in the Spirit means movement. And you choose to follow the direction of the Holy Spirit. I can't do that for you. Pam can't do that for you. That's a choice you have to make. You can't make my choice for me. And I can't make my choice for you. I can't make your choice. Church walking in the Spirit means that you do it intentionally. Step by step. Until, and here's, <laughs> preach, that, that seems like a lot of work. Baby, it is a lot of work at the beginning. It's a lot of work. Because the devil is going to increase his attack on your mind. And that means all the time when that thing comes up, you're going to say, nope. That curse has been hung underneath the cross. I'm free. I'm a child of God. My Bible says I'm a son of the one true king. And the devil say that, okay, I'll come back, sucker. Ten minutes go by, does the same thing again. You know what you're going to do? You're going to do the same thing, but you ain't going to sit down. You're going to keep walking forward. And before you know it, you're so far absent and so far distant from that thing that hurt you in the past, you don't think about it as much. It doesn't eat you as much. And I'm going to tell you what, before too long, you're going to be so far away from it. It's not going to make any difference in your life. Is the pain still there, preach? Yeah. But I'm going to tell you what, so is the cure. So is Jesus. If you, if you choose to stay miserable and whatnot, I'm going to be honest with you, man. That's going to be your choice. And I'm not minimizing your pain. I'm not. I'm not trying to minimize any of our pain. But I know that by replacing those negative generational influences with the positive eternal influence of the Holy Ghost, we invite the fruit of the Spirit into our lives. And here's the thing. When we have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, the fruit of the devil is gone. It overcomes it. You have a choice to make and a step to take. And I'm, I'm, I'm on the last part of it. You have a choice to make and a step to take. And some of you have a cycle to break. Today's the time to break that cycle. You can leave a better legacy for those who come behind you in this life. It ain't too late. You can be set free from those negative generational influences, those sinful behaviors, those sinful attitudes that, that you've inherited. Free from all that stuff. Now, here's where the rubber hits the road. You have a choice. Jesus isn't making Pam free and nobody else. He's not making Lynn free and nobody else. He's not making Chris free and nobody else. Y'all, he's got freedom for everybody. There's enough freedom to go around. He's a big God. There's enough freedom to go around. He'll give you freedom, man. You want something more than the sinful realities that Satan throws at you? Break the cycle. Maybe you had a horrible mom and dad. You don't have to be that. You don't have to be a horrible grandma and grandpa. You can leave a different legacy. You can break the cycle, be released from the negative generational influences, a shameful past, but you don't do that walking in the law, and you don't do that in your own strength. You do that by abiding in the Holy Spirit. Sticking to the tree, maybe with less constipation on your face. And when you do, man, here's the thing. You will have broken the chains of your family history that have been so painful and hurtful in your past. I'm not saying to be Pollyanna about it and say, oh, this didn't ever happen. No, baby, it happened, but so did Jesus. The cross also happened. 
I've avoided that word curse because we can use that curse and we can use that word curse because if we're under a curse, I don't have anything to say about it. Oh, I'm under a generational curse. This is the way it is going to be. I love you. But you're not under a curse. You're not. You might have had a horrible childhood. You might have had a horrible life. But don't ever say you're under a curse. Because if you do, you need to go back to you need to go back to Galatians 3.13. He's rescued us from the curse. Your, your past does not define you. Your Jesus defines you. And no matter what your past was, let me tell you about your future. You are a, king, you are a child of the one true king. You might have had a horrible parent, but you've got the best daddy in the universe. You've got a choice. If I could have every head bowed, every eye closed. My team comes up. I'd appreciate it. Dang it. Church, if you would, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, can I just ask you to come to your feet? Some of you right now, you're saying, man, I want some of that stuff that old boy was talking about. I want some of that freedom. I want some of that hope. I want some of that release. I want my past to stop defining me. I want to stop thinking about it when I go to bed. Or I want to stop thinking about it when a particular incident or a particular word or a particular situation or circumstance arises. I just want to be done with that mess. Man, today you've got a couple of really good truths deposited into your spirit. You've had some promise poured into you today. And there ain't going to mean a whole lot unless you walk out of here different than when you walked in. If the Holy Spirit's going to guide you, He's going to guide you forward into your new life. He's going to guide you forward into your promise. He's going to guide you forward into your new anointing. He's going to follow you forward into freedom. My dear friend, if you're here today, you need to understand something. God has direction for your life, has a purpose for your life, and it's not to steal from you, it's not to kill from you, it's not to take your joy, in fact, the exact opposite. The thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come so that they could have the best life they could live right now, a life full of abundance, a life full of happiness. Church, I don't know about you, we need to shut the enemy's mouth in the name of Jesus and get some of that happiness and fullness that Jesus has for us. Today, some of you just need to come forward to the altar and say, God, I'm going to take that promise from you. I'm going to leave the curse and I'm going to take the promise. My past doesn't define me. My daddy, my heavenly father, my Abba, he defines me. He calls me loved and wanted. Man, maybe you've been beat up. You've been demoralized, humiliated, innocence lost. Maybe you have a hard time trusting men or women because of something out of your past. Hey, listen to me. God's got a future for you in spite of your past, in spite of your negative generational influences. He wants to move you forward. Man, that's what the cross is all about. Will you let him? Will you choose to let him? When Will you take the steps that will necessitate what God wants to do in your life? You can't do it standing still. God doesn't 
God doesn't steer parked cars. Almighty God, in the name of Jesus, as we open up this invitation, I pray for every soul that's been wounded, that is scorched, that is scarred, that is callous because of negative uh, generational influences. Father, today, people have received that word of hope over generational curses. You broke them on Calvary too, God. Would you let them operate in that freedom today as they make a choice to come forward, which represents and reflects the choices and the steps they're going to take when they leave this house. And Lord, it might take us doing, uh, claiming your promise 60 times a day, but we're going to do it till we get away from that influence. And we're going to trust you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And amen. Y'all, this invitation is open. Would you come? Would you come?